Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Anthony Battle, of course. This is this is Davion on the other side of the line. Today, we're going to talk about Neon Genesis Evangelion. And the reason I want to talk about this anime, we want to discuss this, is because the themes are so deep. You know, this has the first episode aired in 1995 in the U.S., and then we also mm -hmm. have the rebuild of Evangelion, which ended in 2021. So it just, that had the cultural scope of such an anime, you know, spanning more than 20 years or so. Yeah, so before we really jump in, let's do a quick synopsis of the show. So Neon Genesis Evangelion is set in 2015, 15 years after a global cataclysmic event known as the Second Impact. And so the series follows Shinji Akari, who's summoned to Tokyo by his father, Gendo, who is the director of this special paramilitary force called Nerve to fight these beings known as angels. To fight the angels, though, Shinji has to pilot Nerve's giant bio machines called Evangelion, or Evo for short. That's pretty much the, the series in a nutshell. In finishing, I think that's uh, that's huge. So it's something big to talk about. So that's why I want to bring it here. And it has a lot of ways it can kind of branch out in different aspects and, you know, bring it to now. But let's just kind of stick it here with Evangelion and just talk a little bit about some of the uh, religious themes. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, before we really jump into that, I also want to let folks know that this is way more than a giant robot anime, right? Like I think that as you if you've watched the series, it's it's a lot more than than that. And this this actually in terms of like giant robot anime, this this came after Gundam, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, the original Gundam came out in the 80s and right. And so there's a little bit of that in there, but it's it's a lot deeper, I think, in a lot of levels than, than Gundam. That's one of my favorite just kind of series, and we can talk about that later. But yeah, some of the religious themes, where do you, where do you want to start? Yeah, you know, just with the religious themes, I think is important. Even in the first episode, when we start off in Shinji, young Shinji is trying to, you know, save the world and got this huge burden thrust on him. He has a fight with an angel within the first episode. So I feel like mm -hmm. even there, you know, what is an angel? What does that mean? And why are angels, you know, appearing on earth? And, you know, that has ob obvious references to, you know, Judeo-Christian language. And I think starting there just as a Japanese anime for me, seeing that in the 90s and trying to understand what that meant in this weird giant robot or non-robot context was fascinating to me. So, yeah, what is an angel, you know? What the heck are angels attacking Earth, you know? And what does that even mean from a symbolic standpoint, you know? So, you know, I don't know if you have thoughts about that. Yeah, I think when we, when we look at this anime, we're, we're really pressed to to ask what is an angel who are our saviors right because our original understanding of angels are these benevolent creatures right but I mean, if you really dig into the bible some of them are, are kind of weird um, dude it goes deep dude it's I've, really I've deep this, they're not beautiful and you know they're not, they're not. like those they're, images we see are like renaissance era you know they are new branding for angels you know they are and so i think when we think about angels in religious context or just prima facie right we're really kind of thinking about um that Yu-Gi-Oh card right what's yeah. what is it change uh, yeah. yeah change of part we're thinking about that and that's kind of the lowest angel and kind of tiering right and you see that actually in 
Christian angels and Islamic angels and in um, and in Judaism, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the kind of next tier up are our archangels, where these are the the fighters, right? These are the ones, still two winged angels that really are, are out on the battlefield, mm-hmm. right? And then as you kind of work your way up, they become more or less like creatures, right? So They're I think about there's yeah. ones with like eight wings that cover their eyes, eyes and burning, right? And it, it, right, yeah. yeah, that's what burning, right? Like the seraphim. Yeah, right? exactly. So I, I think about them. They're multi-faced. They yeah. they have a ton of wings again, covering their their bodies, their faces, right? Really, kind of showing their or some of the most devoted of the angels to to God and in 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 reverence to God. So I think it really does kind of begs us to question: What is an angel? What is their actual purpose? Why are they here on yeah. on Earth? Right? In, yeah. in that animate. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like you know, why are they here on Earth? What is their relationship to humanity? So if we take that idea of like the biblical angel, then he goes even further beyond the seraphim, where you have some angels that are literally just rings with eyes encircling them. And there's angels even in the anime that kind of have that sort of they move further and further away from looking like human forms, you know, they start Mm -hmm. to get more abstract, more geometric, things like that, which I think is fascinating. And it's so interesting. Um, I mean, I love how they kind of lead us into that. You know, they start with kind of a two-armed, two-legged angel. But yeah, I think about just their relationship to humanity, the fact that we're fighting them, these creatures that are supposed to be like saviors and, you know, worship God, and we're actually attacking them and they're hostile. So it's this competitive relationship between humans and angels, which is fascinating to me. You know, one thing that as I was rewatching the, the series the last couple of days mm-hmm. that that dawned on me that I, that didn't dawn on me the first time I watched it, which was, I was probably too young to be watching it, honestly. It's like he loved it. Yeah. <laughs> but the aspect of Back in the day, we used to call outer space the heavens, right? We we call planets celestial bodies, yeah. right? And so and it's actually really fitting to call them angels because it indicates that they are from the heavens, right? Scientific right. heavens, right? They, right? They're coming from outer space. They're coming from these celestial bodies descending upon Earth, right? There are these otherworldly creatures that we don't fully understand. And so it, it in that sense, it, it also makes a, a lot of sense to, to call these alien creatures I, th- I think they're kind of leading us to believe that they're alien creatures i'll say mm-hmm. it that way but i think some of the, and, and, and it's fascinating if we think even more just about angels in particular and, and like genetically i'm trying to understand if so i think the avas like the first avas that were created to fight the angels i think they actually used in some way they they i think they used angel uh, this might i might be wrong here because i know they're part human too but i feel like they use angels as that kind of the architect to design them so they, they used adam they use adam to okay. so zero so the one that ray pilots so zero zero and then zero two onward for the most part they use they use adam okay so there were different okay that's why the different designs right so i remember now so yes zero two is the one they used i guess lilith probably Zero one, zero one. So the one that Shinji pilots. Yeah, uh, yeah. Zero two is Asuka's. Okay. So anyway, so just understand that there's like a genetic connection between there's, or even like a symbolic connection between the Avas and the angels, and and, and this is something that that fascinates me too in the in the anime. It's not just thinking about the religious things, but also thinking about like human evolution and and how human beings have access to becoming 
like angelic or godlike at in certain circumstances and that's at any point too is like at any point you know and that's too, that's that's there too and what does that mean from a spiritual context you know that that you can become an angel that you be, you can become godlike you can transcend your humanity as they said in some of the translations so i mean what do you think about that that's really that's a really interesting point that i didn't fully think about actually and i think that hmm yeah becoming yeah it. becoming yeah becoming godlike becoming becoming more than a human and that's something that's it's there in well, the first manifestation of what that looks like is when the Ava goes berserk and it starts just becoming super primal and you basically see Shinji or, or unit one eat another angel and just like you know mm-hmm. devour it's s2 engine and become more powerful and all this kind of stuff I'm like dude, right. what the hell like this is it's like it's religious and spiritual but it's also like very primal and just law of the jungle stuff right going on. right so Right. So I have two things on that. The first, I'm going to fast forward. And mm-hmm. as you talk about devour, devouring, you know, something that I noticed about when Shinji and Asuka and Rei and, and all the pilots go into the Avas, didn't that remind you of Attack on Titan? Like of they're course. like I mean, literally okay. in the nape of the neck, all right? Yeah. In, the, in the spinal system of the, of the eight of the Avas, right? Yeah. And so definitely. I just wanted to like kick that back and say, or just remind folks of how iconic of an mm-hmm. anime this is and how how far that that has branched out, right? Even today for to the, the point that it spawned uh, like mm-hmm. a very beautiful progeny mm-hmm. in Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. Right. Attack on Titan definitely owes owes an homage to mm-hmm. Neon Genesis. It's, Definitely, yeah. definitely. But in terms of the evolution of humans, right? I was thinking about this a lot and really connecting that that evolution piece to the first, second, and third impact in the series, right? And so yeah. first impact is when Lilith comes to Earth, right? And yeah. so you think about that kind of as the as the dawn of the human species, right? That first kind of evolutionary um, right. pull. Right. And then the second impact being the reawakening, right, of, of Adam, right? The white and moon. The, I think there were different moons. Black moon was Lilith, white moon was Adam. Was, was Adam, right? Yeah. And so that reawakening of Adam and thus triggering the potentiality of humanity to access this godlike stake, right? Accessing the, the, the fusion of, in some ways, right, uh, of Adam and Lilith. Mm-hmm. Um, into something into something more than they both currently are i would say i would argue yeah, yeah. and then the third and the third impact right like the and that's yeah. the that's the crazy part to me and that's that's worth a conversation is the um the human instrumentality project yeah, yeah. and that's uh that's something i think about too because you know if you want to bring it current when, when you think about code Geass and the ragnarok connection and think about the same concept it's the same idea of trying to connect human beings uh, into a global collective where they've lost all individuality and humanity. It's just like a pool of shared thoughts and feelings and no separation, which in some ways sounds like beautiful from a religious context, like union with everything and God, but somehow as a union with God. Yeah. But is it union with God or union with, you know, with some human force of control, you know, like, I don't know how far the union goes. Does it go beyond earth or, you know, it feels like the instrumentality project is just connecting Earth into one pool of LCL, I guess, like a fluid primordial state. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is it is like in Code Geass? Do you think do yeah. you feel like it is an attempt to surpass God, right? An attempt to surpass the ancient and 
astral celestial beings that, that sent out all of these seeds. Yeah, it probably is. And it is. And I think even when I think about Fulmina Alchemist Brotherhood, it's the same idea too, where you got the, the you know, the turning central or mistress into an entire mm-hmm. philosopher's stone so right. that the dwarf and the flask can fucking reach out and try to become God. Like it's, it's the like, yes, trying to mm-hmm. become godlike is reverberates through all of this. And, that, and man, it's just so fascinating. I think that is kind of a natural drive. I think we do want that, that kind of pursuit Mm -hmm. towards God, or at least our greatest self. So people will sacrifice the world to achieve that, which is, I don't know. Sacrifice themselves to do that. Themselves and everybody else too. (laughs) But but I I think we also kind of see a very similar thing in Fooly Cooly, and we can talk Mm -hmm. about that anime on a different day, because this is almost a direct offspring yeah. is a direct offspring of of this show same studio <laughs> created it i think they were just they needed to they still had some neon genesis in their blood but right. it's like kind of yeah. come out of it a little yeah, bit yeah they wanted to iron out the wrinkles yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the wrinkles of like doing a show like that you right. know mm-hmm. i'm sure it's stressful something you said made me think about this so in our attempt to to conquer god or be godlike mm-hmm. i think that there's a cost to that right? yeah. like there there like there are consequences to trying to surpass god right and not living within our means of of our humanhood right mm-hmm. and so what do you what do you think about that or in what ways do you think that kind of cautionary tale because i kind of see this as a cautionary tale of of trying to achieve so much trying to live outside of ourselves almost yeah yeah i think i see the cautionary tale and i do i see like so gendo ikari wanted to you know make the third impact and and start human instrumentality i think his ego if I think about his ambitions, it, it came at the cost of other human life. And I think that's where you see the problem is where you start to take people's free will out of the equation and, and just say, just make decisions for them and say, okay, you, you, you're going to, you're, you're part of it now. Like you have no choice. No, I think that's where that's the limit. But then when you look at somebody like uh, Shinji Ikari, like he's a- attaining this kind of godhood state through his Ava and also through his mother, who is infused in the Ava, and 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 but nothing he does is ever taking someone else's free will. But he's still able to ascend in like this singular way. So I feel like that's like that's the way to do it. If you're gonna do it, don't try to like absorb people and you know kill people. And like you can still achieve that through. It's just the means by which you achieve that. He's doing it as a hero, as a protector, out of love. Like those motivations determine what kind of god you're gonna become on that path. You know. Again, no one wants to be a god of like destruction, I guess, in some ways, you know, so you got to take the right path towards it. So it's not the pursuit itself of wanting to be divine in some way as wrong. It's just what are you the god of? You know, so that's what I think about what kind of the god of what, you know, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. those are really good points. Another thing I was thinking about in terms of a god of destruction, right, is the second impact was really triggered by human curiosity right like triggered by our pursuit for these technological pursuits etc and the cost of that was half of humanity the cost of that was climate change right it was was, was an ecological impact right it was a huge ecological impact and we see that now right and and as we are continuing to progress as as a society right like there are ecological impacts to that it's kind of a tertiary, I would, and maybe even lower than that, aspect of the show where because of our curiosity, like, yes, we are 
um, tapping into um, the very limits uh, of humanity. We were becoming godlike, right? But at the, the cost of that, yeah. right, is is the earth. It's almost as if by attaining attaining godhood, earth can't contain something like that. Earth can't contain yeah. that sort of energy, that sort of power, right? The yeah. omnipotence, right? It it has its it has its, its limits, right? Isn't that freaky though? Think about it. Like humanity is reaching a point where it's is outgrowing planet like a planet mm -hmm, like it, <laughs> it's 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 able to consume a, a life bearing planet mm -hmm. like, yeah that's 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 wild that's wild right <laughs> and so there's um one of my favorite anime or at least yeah. the surface of the planet like right right at least, at least the surface the of the surface, the surface of the right. life yeah but go ahead yeah so one of my favorite anime actually does this in a really cool way i think it's called Eureka 7 but one of the yeah. one of the pivotal aspects of that show is called the limit of questions right and so we talked about this right it is the combining or the existence of a certain number of sentient life forms right in any given space and what that does to time and space is it starts to break down when there is a certain number of life forms within a planet or within a given area and so the the earth, a planet literally can't take, can't contain that much power, that much essence, that many questions, right? As the show kind of frames it at any given questions, time. Questions is, is curiosity. I mean, right. it's, curiosity. it's the same thing, like prodding and, and, and then you also, and then it brings it right back to the, the neon genesis when you're talking about the critical mass of sentient life forms is the same thing as what's happening with the, the you know, with the, you have Lilith, which is one kind of evolutionary seed and then you have Adam and then that's, the, that's what's destroying the earth is the, the kind of annihilation of those two competing life forms. So it's mm -hmm. kind of the same thing that's happening. So uh, yeah, definitely limited questions, Ragnarok connection, fucking human instrumentality, you know, all mm -hmm. of those concepts are the same pretty much. You know, what's interesting to me uh, about that is I can't figure out if, if that is the thing that we are most afraid of as, as, as a people, right? Like, I don't, I can't figure out if it's, if the fear is sameness right? Um, and the loss of our individuality, or that our pursuit of godhood means that the whole world falls apart. Like, I don't know which one, the, all of these anime creators, right? All of these great minds are trying to warn us against, right? Is it trying to warn us against the sameness that we're kind of, that we're seeing in a certain regard in the globalization of our world, right? Or is it the pursuit of, of godhood? What do you think? You know, I'm thinking about this question. This is an interesting question. I think it's all about perspective. I, I think so for when I think about the fear of sameness or being erased, I think about what has happened to cultures, real cultures in our, in our world um, that have been erased and been kind of homogenized and, and, and taught English <laughs> and then, you know, and taught religion, Christianity, maybe. And that's, I can see the fear come from that perspective of meeting a force that is destroying you. But then the other side is what are, if you are the force that has mm -hmm. no check, like you're the force. Mm -hmm. So your fear is that I will, I have, I have no limit to my power and I will inevitably destroy anything. And I can't stop it because I am, I am just a God of destruction. That is just mm -hmm. who I am. <laughs> and nobody can get in my way. 
the only thing that can stop me is a more powerful force. And I feel like that's, that's kind of, and yeah, I haven't met it yet. <laughs> so what are you going to, mm-hmm. like, as far as I can see this, you know, this is the most powerful thing on the planet. Like the unmovable mover. I think. Yeah. So I think that's, it's just a fear is coming from those perspectives as the, as the, you know, I, I had Melanie over here reading Ishmael. We talk about the the makers and the takers, you know, that's, yeah. this, that's it. Dude. Which, which one are you? Both of them have fears. Which one are you? And I think that determines. So those are two fears. Very interesting. You brought that up, you know, mm-hmm. but that's, mm-hmm. those are my thoughts. One thing that I wanted to talk about was going a little bit back to some of the religious themes, but just this aspect of, of death and birth or rebirth in Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the spoilers, folks, but in the in 01, right, we come to learn that Shinji's mother's soul is, is in there. Yeah. Right. And one thing that I couldn't get out of my mind as I was watching it last night was he's he's in this this pod inside of the inside of the Ava. He's basically in this in this sack in, in a womb mm-hmm. inside of the yeah. inside of the Ava. Um, Which is, I, mean, it, I never made that exact connection, but it's so obvious. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, he's, and, it's in, and, and Shinji is in this constant cycle of, of death almost and rebirth, right? Every time he emerges from the, the Ava, it's like he is, he is experiencing birth again, right? Mm-hmm. What, are your, what are your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, this is a theme that I feel like, it, I mean, it's, it's there, but I feel like I don't know why I never... You know, I focused on other themes, but like the death and rebirth and seeing him, especially, I mean, he's in the pod with like amniotic fluid or whatever he emerges. I, I think it's something I think about, um, and this just kind of relates back to the, the kind of Christian themes too. And we think about the resurrection of Jesus and that, that, that being like a path toward Godhood is defeating death. Um, I think, yeah, his, he's died many times. Like Shinji, not even just like coming out of the pods and being reborn, but even in the Ava where so many times where he gets unplugged from the umbilical mm-hmm. thing. And then he's yeah, like, the umbilical <laughs> actual umbilical cord. He's like, Oh, he's no power umbilical left. Cord. He's at zero, zero. And he's getting whooped. And then he's mm-hmm. able to kind of be reborn. Um, I think that, that just, that theme, like there's only, I don't know how many like literary or religious figures that, I mean, Jesus is the only one that comes to mind when I, especially if you find Jesus. the angel. Right. He comes back from the dead. And I was thinking about this recently, how people really undermine how powerful of a concept that is. Like, it's so I don't know powerful. how are just like, just like, oh yeah. You know, like the lack of reverence for somebody who can overcome death. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he, nobody else is claiming that. Who, right. who else on this earth has claimed to do that? Right. Like nobody actually in real life. So, and then people just like, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> what? So I think, so anyway. Yeah, that, that concept, that's that's when I think about of you know, death and rebirth. It's just the resurrection, man. That's mm-hmm. that's that's godlike. Right. That, that's what Shinji is able to do just out on instinct. Like he just right. already casually, randomly fuck came back from the dead in his like first fight or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in his first just, fight. he's already he's 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 born and he's a god already. Right, already. But like, right? this is the thing that, that gets me is like his anxiety about claiming his destiny. Like he's a God, but he, mm-hmm. he refuses to accept that. He refuses to believe in his own power. And he's just mm-hmm. like struggling with his own divinity the whole time. He's mm-hmm. like, man. Well, that, I mean, that would be the difference between him and Jesus, right? In a certain regard, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because Jesus, if I'm getting my Christianity correct, 
has, for the most part, always knew that he was destined to transcend. Pretty much, yeah. Right? At least, he, at least, yeah, biblical. I mean, the Bible only talks about when he was like 30, and he has some references to as a child once. But yes, pretty much. Mm-hmm. He pretty much right. showed that, yeah. He, right, he, he always knew, and he always knew that that was a part of his, his story. Whereas Shinji, on the other hand, is in this kind of constant cycle of dealing with, like you said, his own divinity um, and, and struggling with that and struggling with the concept that that he has to be the one to make this decision. Right. Well, look he, he struggles though. He struggles because he has a different father than Jesus had. He, he he's a he's a right. Jesus and his God is Satan. And his father is like the, the God of destruction. And like right. how do you how do you so reconcile it's that? Like he, He's trying to reconcile, like, I know I need to save the world, but my father wants me to, and this dude is evil. <laughs> so right. how, do I, evil. how do I also, you know, save the world, but also also do exactly what my evil dad wants? He's, he, he's resisting his father, and that's mm-hmm. the main thing. Like, right. he's having a moral crisis trying to, like, listen and do anything that his father says. And I think when I, when I think of, like, critiques of that character and, like, his, like he's so annoying, I, I even watch it and when I see it, I was like, why is he so, like, annoying? Why don't you just do it? Mm-hmm. His father is that's the barrier. Right. <laughs> he does, so, yeah, his father who Loki sacrificed his mother for this project. Loki, <laughs> so Heike <laughs> sacrificed his, his wife to bring about this moment. And I know Shinji kind of kind of probably knows that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think about the psychology? Because there's something else, you know, the, the psychology aspect and like the existential angst. I know we took that philosophy class, you know, that stuff. I mean, how do you think about that from that perspective? Just like the existential themes that kind of run through the anime. Mm-hmm. The entire anime going to the last point that Juice made is is Shinji trying to understand what his existence is, right? And, and kind of coming face to face with knowing and understanding that he's he like he like he's ultimately the, the author uh, of that, right? And that mm-hmm. while he does on one hand have a, a destiny that he has to fulfill, he at the same time like has to walk that, right? And he has to confront that. And he is he ultimately has to write that final sentence. Yeah. Right. And I think that's that's a really hard thing to try to confront for for anyone. Right. It's it's that, you know, that burden of freedom. Yeah. You know, I think that as Shinji goes through the the majority of the series, I think that we see him struggle with that. Right. With that aspect. You know, it's kind of easy for him to to do what his dad says and not take the blame for that. Right. And say that my dad, like my dad made me do this, father made me do this, instead of really owning his actions and and owning the the fate that he ultimately like gives to the rest of humanity. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think a lot of his struggle is is also with that, right? Like, yes, it's daddy issues, but it's also claiming his own humanity, right? And claiming his power of choice and claiming his freedom, um, which again is is a hard it's a hard burden and, and all of these existentialist authors really talk about that. Just the, the burden of, of freedom, right? Because you can't run after yeah. you accept that freedom because everything is your fault. It's right? on you. Completely. It's, everything is on you. Every the choice good, you make the good, is your responsibility. Yes. It's your responsibility. And that's a hard thing to, to try to own. Right. It is. And then, but I feel like once you own it though, you, you free. 
like once you own your choices and live the life you want to live, you're free. And I think that's that's beautiful. I'm, I'm curious. So the question, because I know we talked about brotherhood last time, and uh, you know, I'm thinking about even this this one has familial themes too, like fatherhood. Like, what do you like? How do you think about your relationship to your dad? Like in your kind of like individual growth, how has that kind of helped you or hindered you? Like, how how does it make how has it made you who you are? You know, mm, I think dads are weird. Uh, <laughs> I love my dad. He's great. Um, and dad's dad, great, man. Yeah, no, he's great. He's great. Um, and I think dads are weird, right? I think that, you know, I feel for, I feel for Shinji, right? Because I think on one hand, you, you want to be all of the things that your, your dad, your father, your, your parents want you to be. You want to live up to all of those expectations. And, I was really blessed to, to have my father and to continue to have my father throughout my life. Um, Cause you know, we know a lot of folks who don't have their dad mm. and really blessed to have both my parents in my life at all times too, right. Without any major, major health issues or anything like that. And there are aspects of that, that, that is a burden, right. Where you feel like you are trying to fight for your autonomy, really trying to fight and say like, this is who I, this is who I am. This is who I, I want to be. This, this is the path that I want to walk. So I think that there is um, a lot of conflict there. I think at, at times as you begin to stray away from what your dad or for me, what my dad expected for, for me and my brother growing, yeah, growing up. And I think that while walking my path, my own path, there's still the remnants of how can I still make him happy? How can I still live up to those expectations, but in my own way? How can I do all the things that that he wants me to, but have it take a different shape and form, yeah. right? How can I finish that race, but on my own terms, instead of running, like, what if I bike to the race instead, right? Yeah, um, exactly. It's just trying to, <laughs> yeah, it's trying to figure, I think that's, I think I see a lot of that in the, in Shinji and, and his dad's relationship throughout the series. Yeah, you know, as I think about this and I think about even my relationship with my father, I love my father. He's great. He's a good man. And I, uh, yeah, he's, he's dope. Yeah. And I think about, and I have his name, but then I think about like, um, like when you mentioned some of the themes about straying from the path or something. I mean, at this point, I feel like he's like, you're good. Like, I'm cool. I'm very happy. I mean, he's told me this. He's like, mm-hmm. you, you did, you, you've achieved beyond what I could have imagined for you. So, so happy. Just live your life. <laughs> but like, but then I think about, like, I'm just thinking about the parts with the times where I struggled and I realized I didn't even realize I was living inauthentically sometimes, like specifically when I think mm-hmm. about playing football, I feel like I think about how much psychological barriers I had to that game. It was nothing that was happening to me. I mean, besides like gaining an extra 20 pounds was it wasn't so much physical. That wasn't my limit. My limit was mm-hmm. all in my mind. It was all about how much I was willing to uh, invest I guess I call attitude and investment, whatever, how much I was willing to give myself over to this process. And I realized that just like Shinji, I feel like, okay, you have one, you can like, you can be a starter. You can be a hero. You can be uh, possibly proceed, pursue the NFL and possibly make millions of dollars. Like that's the path that's possibly in front of you. And I could never get myself to hundred percent to believe like that was something like, that's the path I wanted for myself. Even if it can be glorious and like, great for somebody it wasn't mm-hmm. my particular dream i never wanted that so mm-hmm. i so that's the struggle is when you're doing something 
for somebody else. I know my dad would have loved that. I know he would have loved, you know, to play football for, for his life like that. So I feel like, um, I realized that that I was being him. And then I was like, you know what? I was being his dream. And I'm like, good, you know, I did that, you know? So now I felt free after checking that box to do my own thing, which is in some ways almost is so strange. Kind of like this show. I was like, then it felt like I was pursuing my mother's wishes at some point, eventually. And maybe mm-hmm. the things that maybe she spoke as softer than my dad did growing up. So I, you know, I didn't hear it as loudly. When you get older, you realize that voice is in there too. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that, that's pushing you in a, in a different way, you know, in a way right. non-vocal, but it's like, it's the, a, it's the Ava, it's able unit one. It's right. you in like, in this different way, you know? So, mm-hmm. and I've gained more appreciation over that energy and seeing the balance between those two things and the path those two energies put you on. So just that is a whole different topic too. Like, you know, understanding right. those, the mother and the father in you and reconciling those two voices, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, why don't you talk about that a little bit more and your your mother's role and, and who you are today and how that connects to to, to Shinji and his and his mother, the Ava. As, yeah. In a certain regard. Man, you know, just like you said, I'm I'm very fortunate to still have both of my parents and to have had them throughout my entire childhood. And uh so I think yeah, the mom is, it's just something like moms are special, man. Moms are, you know, they, do fathers don't have wombs. At least mine didn't. <laughs> so, <I> mean, <laughs> mine didn't, mine didn't mine, either. Mine continue, <laughs> continues to not have one. Yeah. So, I mean, that's such a different level of intimacy that where this, this, this person is literally created you in her body and your, your, your cells and everything is like sewn into like it's it's you know the father gives dna and that's like the the design of the of the 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 individual but then the mother actually gives her body and like you know literally gives literally body not not just the idea for the structure no she Mm -hmm. literally made you out of her body so Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i i um that's a powerful connection that uh is is deep. It's really deep. Um, so I just, that's how I, that's the relationship. I think my mother is like the grounded, like earth energy, like the 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 origin. And I think of my father is like the like the the logos in some way, like the principle that designs things. Like he's he's the genetic code. He's he's the you know I look like him. Like he's the structure. My mother is the substance. You know, mm-hmm. she you know she she's like the the concrete that like covers the the kind of like steam scaffolding you know she fills in mm-hmm. spaces you know mm-hmm. and, and he, you know so that's how i think about it you know she's mm-hmm. the skeleton and he's the i don't know whatever it's all kind of ways you can think about it yeah 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 i feel similarly and it's interesting and i guess feudal or even further than that further than that japanese era times in the olden times it was perceived that if there were two sons or there were more than two sons, but you know, the first son would kind of would carry on the, the father's family name. Mm. And the second son would carry on the, the mother's name and kind mm. of belong to their family. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And so I, so there's, there's always been a part of me that felt like that. Mm. Um, even, even prior to, to knowing that, because since my brother's so much older than me, my dad was really preoccupied with him when I was younger and trying to get him through high school or get him through middle school and, 
and coaching him in football, right? And being really involved with, with him. Um, and so when I was younger, I was like hanging on to mom. I was with, I was hang, I was with mom, like at baseball games, I'll go to my brother's baseball games. I was hanging on to her. Right. And so, um, in a lot of my, my imagery of when I was younger and like me and my mom, I'm like laying down and my head is on her stomach mm. or like somewhere close to being at that height. Yeah. And so when I think about that, I think about the womb, right. And Shinju being in, in that womb, I think that that aspect of the show and his relationship to his mother yeah. speaks to me because it's, I, I think that it's, it's hard for, for boys, for, for men. And I, th I, I think even in specifically for, for black men and all the trauma that black women have gone through and in losing their sons, I think that's a hard thing to get away from. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a connection that's really hard to, hard to break. And I, I feel that I'm close with my dad, really close with him, but I feel that I have a stronger nonverbal connection with my mother. That's what mom. it is. <clears throat> uh, it's like mother. She knows. Like she can mm -hmm, just. Look she knows. And she can see because you are her. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. You have to like ask a question. She knows. Mm -hmm. She's just. You can she, tell she had to carry you for nine months. She can feel something. You know what's right. In, like she feels it. it right. Feels yeah. It. She. Yeah. She can tell. If I'm not feeling good, she knows immediately. She knows immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Like I talk to I talk to my parents once a week, and. I kind of, I trade off who I call first because I usually call mm -hmm. them separately. Yeah. And I remember just moments in time when I, um, when mentally I wasn't in the, in the best place and my mom could hear it um, and mm -hmm. could tell. And when she would like pass the phone to my dad, I, there was a couple of times I heard her say like, he, like he's not, he, he's not <laughs> good, right? Like she, like she could just tell. Mm -hmm. um, but then my dad wasn't always able to kind of pick that up. As, yeah. as quickly or as readily as she was able to, or, you know, she could just tell. And so she would like keep the conversation shorter or, you know, or X, Y, or Z. So it was, I, I feel like I have to do less verbal communication with her, especially in person. Um, yeah. She's, she just knows, she just knows this, like, this is what he needs right now. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's just a nice hug. And, and, you know, she knows it's like, it doesn't, what's, um, what's understood doesn't have to be explained. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I feel that way too with my mom as well. No, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think, I think even if I think about our parents, just a little bit superficial, like kind of energy dynamics, I think it just functions like that where the dad is the, the louder, like just literally louder and the mm -hmm. mom is more quiet. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it does play out like that. Uh, yeah. I think, I think our, uh, our parents have a similar dynamic and, and also a relationship to us. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I think it's, it's I always think it's interesting. I was, I was speaking to a colleague at work the other day who their um their parent, like parental roles are, are flipped mm. and so the, the mom is is a lot kind of louder and more rambunctious but also the my colleague their their gender identity is also different than ours mm. right like they identify as a woman right mm -hmm. and so like you know i think that also plays into some of that <clears throat> dynamic as well um, yeah. where dad is a little bit more caring and nurturing in, in, a, in a different way yeah, uh, yeah, I, I've seen the limitations of my dad's nurturing nature too, and I'm like, eh, you know, I can just talk to my mom about this. <laughs> but uh, yeah. well, you know, but when I want something else from him, you know, I'm gonna chop it up about some, you know, 
we'll talk about that. But I think um, this makes me think about Oscar Langley. I wish I knew more about her parents because she's, I mean, she's the opposite of Shinji. Like she's extremely confident, overconfident, prideful, and just loud. I just wish I knew more about her parents, you know? And I think in some way, I think her mother is also infusing unit two. I think it's something like that. I feel like that's kind of the connection as required for those later units is like these children whose mothers are in there. I think that's why they're chosen, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. I think it may be like a, like a mother may be necessary for the creation of an Ava at that point. So it's, a, it's some scientific evil stuff going on. But yeah, man, what do you think about Asuka and Shinji's relationship? You know, when I think about Asuka, it's it's hard for me to leave Ray out of yeah, like out of that out of that trio, right? And so yeah. you know, there's a lot of trios in religion, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And you know, there's heaven, hell, and earth, right? There is there's a lot of those things. And the thing that I actually has started to think about the last day or, or so was this concept of, I think it was, um, was it Kierkegaard? I think, was Kierkegaard? I think it was Kierkegaard, but it was, you know, essentially in, in a lot of his works, and he was really re- religious, mm-hmm. was breaking down three different types of of people or like way to live your life right Mm -hmm. um where on one hand you have the knights of resignation right yeah yeah, so super devoted to god super devoted to um but at the expense of leaving behind all of your your earthly um pleasures right Mm -hmm. and so like i see that embodied as ray where yeah. Ray is, you know, going into the Ava, like no questions asked. I'm going to do all the things that I can for my God, right? Which is also weird dad. too, because Gendo mm-hmm. is Shinji's dad and she's loyal to him, but she's also low-key a clone of Shinji's mom. Right. So, and then she, it, <laughs> and then she also kind of low-key has a crush on Shinji. Right, right. Weird kind of stuff, got Oedipal shit going on. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of weird stuff, but I, I just see that as, as yeah. the embodiment of this night of resignation, right? Where yeah, yeah, they yeah. have, especially in the beginning of the series, really ha- has left behind like all of the you know like school like who cares like i'm a kid who cares like all of this other stuff not really indulging in anything but i'm going to spend all of my time my energy being the best soldier for god that i can mm-hmm. on earth yeah. right and then on the other end you have oscar who really in in a weird way or in a certain way almost overindulges in, in all of the things, right? Yeah, definitely. Is um, very much a, a, a human. It's probably mm-hmm. the most human, one of the most yeah. human characters on the show. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Miss Masato, she's, she's also, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, she indulges but, too. <laughs> right, but, but like really indulges in, um, you know, in being um, an Ava pilot, really overindulges in being... Mm-hmm. You know, she understands that she's a hero. She knows right. that what how she knows the social impact, like 
Mm-hmm. Anybody looking at an Ava pilot is is a celebrity. And she, right. the only she's the one that's truly a celebrity. Right. She's a celebrity. Right. Yeah. And she's like, I'm like, celebrity. Right. And she's like, this is my life. I'm gonna do like I'm gonna do like I'm gonna. She's Ariana Grande, things. basically. Right. Right. <laughs> she's Ariana Grande. Like she's and she's and she's living. She's gonna live that life, right? But yeah. as Kierkegaard tries to tell us, the best thing to try to do in living your life, and what we all need to work our way towards is yes having a lot of reference for god yes doing your duty and trying your best all the time while still adhering to the people the places the things that that this world has to offer mm-hmm. like don't forget about those things still yeah. become still be grateful for those things don't forget about your parents right don't forget about your friends right don't forget about yeah. all of those things because God actually wants you to still enjoy those things. Yeah. Right? Like you still have time before you, in, in, in Shinji's case, before you transcend, right? You still have time before you, you meet me in heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think, I think of those three in that regard where they are all counterbalances of each other, showing us different pathways yeah. to, to live our lives religiously or not, or spiritually or not. Right. It is through pathways where, Shinji, the chosen one, has found that middle ground between those two kind of extremes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. It is, I mean, the morality, it, it cannot be, I think that's the beautiful thing that the mor- morality is always just shown. It's never fully said any of this stuff, but it's, it's, it, it's, um, it's embedded in kind of the outcomes of the characters. Like what happens to them shows that they, what path they're on. Yeah, Asuka. Yeah, she's fully, fully in that. Um, yeah, I think uh, I feel like we, I feel like we've talked about a lot of good topics today. And I do. There's some other stuff I want to talk about how, you know, Neon Genesis relates to things. But I feel like this is kind of a natural. Like, I feel good right here, and I want to just save some stuff for a second parter because it'll be kind of way off, and, and you know. But this has been. Um, no, I, I appreciated this, and, and you definitely brought up some questions that I, I didn't even think about, and it's been. Uh, no, it's been it's been enlightening again to to kind of dive into some some anime. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, no, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and, and likewise, there's there's a, there's a lot to get into for for Neon Genesis, and so rewatch some episodes or look some stuff up. There's a lot of information online, but yeah, um, I will say definitely watch the, the original 26 episode run, and also yes. the rebuild of Evangelion is rebuild is dope. It's really good. You can you can you can uh, jump in at rebuild. I think uh, it's meant to kind of be more a condensed version of the original run, and and it's after the, the the kind of director and the creator had some time away from it, and you know, so it really it's 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 meant for a newer audience so i would check mm-hmm. that out too but 26 episodes is, is worth it as well yeah definitely worth it definitely worth it yeah i appreciate you and until next time we'll jump into some more neon genesis all right until next time all right